Welcome back to the Grand Valley Community Church Podcast, a community of faith in Brandon, Manitoba. We hope this message helps you to meet Jesus and grow in faith. Last week, we launched into a new sermon series called How to Not Be Lonely. And we started by tackling this topic of relationships and friendships. Now, when we when we talk about relationships today, we're not just talking about like a dating, engaged, or married relationship, like a romantic relationship. We're talking about any kind of relationship we might have. Now, next week, we are launching into a sermon series on marriage called Marriage Killers. And even if you aren't married or you're divorced or maybe you have no plans of ever being married, we still think that you'll get a lot out of that sermon series. So that's starting next week. But last week, we started by talking about how do we find community? How do we find friendships? How do we find relationships? How do we find a group of people that we're able to connect with? And also part of that, we talked about how, how do we find a deeper connection with God? And we started with this phrase, even though we were made to live in community, we're not automatically good at relationships. Sometimes, if we're honest with ourselves, we're just downright bad at relationships. But even though Part of how God created us and wired each one of us is to be relational, to want to connect with each other, and to want to connect with God. And so there was two key, for, key words that we used last week when we were talking about this. We said community doesn't just happen. Community happens through proximity and frequency. And so proximity is just, are we around people? Are we around opportunities for a friendship or a relationship to begin? And frequency is, are we around the same you know, people enough that there's opportunities for that to turn into a friendship or a relationship. Because if you just encounter someone once, you might, you know, have a great connection, have a great conversation, but if you never see them again, there's no opportunity for a relationship to grow. And it's the same way with God. We have to be in proximity and also in frequency of our connection with God if we want ourselves to grow in our faith. And so that was last week in a nutshell. And something I want to invite you to do is you can pull out your phone and open up the, the Version Bible app. And if you go to the events tab and search for Grand Valley or search by location, it'll pull up our event for today and you can follow along. And there's also some, uh, a recap of the announcements. And what's really cool is there's a link you can click on that takes you to a little form. And I'm going to ask a couple questions as we go. And I want to invite you to share your feedback and your thoughts. And then we're going to discuss those together before we wrap up today. And so even though we were made for relationships, we're not always good at them. And so that's what we're talking about today is last week was about how do we find community. This week is about how do we keep community? How do we stay and remain in community over time? Because it's actually, there's some similarities, but there's also some things that are a little tougher. And as all of us know, relationships take work. They take time and effort to maintain and to, to remain in. And I want you to just think for a moment about maybe some of the most significant friendships or relationships you've had in your life. Likely, they're long-term ones. They're people that you spent months or years or maybe even decades with. You know, in, you know, and, and you probably worked through some things together. There was maybe conflicts you had to wrestle through and you, you, know, you poured your lives into each other. You shared experiences together. Deep and fulfilling friendships and relationships and communities take time for us to invest in each other. And so meaningful relationships require something called intentionality. We have to have an intention of wanting our friendship, our relationship, the community we're part of to grow. It doesn't just happen 
by accident. And the same two things from last week apply. If we want to maintain and keep a friendship with someone, is we still need that proximity. Are we around them? And frequency, do we see them often enough to maintain that relationship? And now, one of the fascinating things with our world today is we all have social media. You know, most of us probably have Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or, or something like that. And you're able to stay in contact with people even if you're not physically around the same area. But one of the myths that comes up is we sometimes think that because I liked someone's picture they posted on Instagram that we still have a friendship. You know, it's a way of staying, you know, connected and informed, but we still have to at some point have conversations that go deeper. And maybe, maybe you like the, you know, chapter-length text message conversations that go back and forth. I just can't do those. I can't type that fast. I don't know how some people do that. But there are ways that we can use technology to be able to have that proximity and frequency over great distances. But again, it takes that intentionality. We have to want it. And so I want to ask this first question, just maybe to get ourselves thinking about this topic. What are some ways that you stay in contact with your community, whatever your community might be? How do you stay in contact with them on a regular basis? Now, we've said that if we want to stay in community, we have to be intentional. We have to have this proximity and frequency thing. But there's a bigger part of it that we're going to spend most of our time today talking about. And that is, how do we deal with issues? Because we have to learn how to handle problems that come up. Because we would be naive to assume that we could have, I could have a friendship with someone for decades and we're never going to have a conflict. Okay, that's just, maybe there are those friendships out there. But for the most part, conflict and problems and issues are going to happen and going to come up. And there's a, there's a story that illustrates this really great. There was a guy, he was a devout Christian who was set out to solo sail uh, around the world. And he got in a bad storm and shipwrecked. And he was on this deserted island for a year. Now, fortunately, he had enough stores from his boat. He had enough, but his, his boat sank, but he hauled enough stuff off of it that he could survive. And about a year later, a passing boat sees the smoke coming from this island, says, that's an uninhabited island. Why is there smoke? And comes close enough and sees there's someone living on this island. And so he hops on his his little runabout, gets to the beach, sees the guy, and this guy is just excited. He's finally found another person. And the, the boat captain who comes in to rescue him looks at the beach and says, you live here by yourself, don't you? And the guy says, yeah. He says, how come there's three shacks? Why why do you have three shacks on the island if you're the only one here? And the guy says, well, that's the one I live in. That one's my church. And that's the church I used to go to. (laughs) See, we sometimes have, even in the church, sometimes we don't handle our problems well. And when we don't handle our problems well, that's when relationships, that's when community breaks down. And Sometimes, you know, we might have some good reasons why we don't want to deal with our problems. You know, maybe we think that, you know, we're scared of offending someone. Or maybe we think, you know, just last month, I did that exact same thing that that person did to me. So I can't talk to them about that because I'm just a hypocrite then. Or maybe we think, you know, it'd be the more loving response to just pray for them, but not actually talk to them about it. But when we don't deal with our issues, they grow. See, a lack of conflict doesn't create strong friendships. A lack of conflict actually creates superficial 
friendships. It creates a surface level friendship. But when we resolve conflict together, that's when we actually create a stronger sense of community with one another. So how do we actually do this? What does a healthy community that actually wrestles through conflict together look like? Now, we're pretty fortunate because basically, almost well, I think every single book of the Bible deals with relationships in some way or another. And especially the latter portion of the Bible, what's called the New Testament, um, the bulk of it is made up of letters that Paul and the other apostles sent to churches. And fortunate for us, these churches had a lot of mistakes and a lot of things they messed up. And so Paul and the other apostles were writing letters to try and instruct them. And we have those letters to read from today. And so if you have a Bible with you or if you're on the YouVersion app, um, go to Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 4. And this is what Paul has to say to the Ephesian church, which was actually kind of like this central hub church. Um, that was supporting a whole bunch of churches around it. So Paul was writing to Ephesus, but he knew this letter would go to the whole area. And this is during the time when Paul's even, he's been imprisoned by Rome and was on his way um, to basically stand in court for following Jesus. And he says this, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Isn't that a high standard? to live according to our calling because we've been called by God to follow him. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. This is just four verses of a longer letter. And isn't there a lot packed into there? Especially this verse 2. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Now let's, let's break this down a little bit. Humble and gentle. All of us can probably say, yeah, I'd like to be humble and gentle. Or maybe on the flip side, we think, do I actually want to be around someone who's arrogant and abrasive? Not really. But we want to be humble and gentle being patient with each other. And then this line, make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Now note, he doesn't say don't have conflict. He doesn't say don't offend each other. And he also doesn't say ignore each other. He says make allowances because you're going to have mistakes. You're going to have people that will say things that will upset and offend each other. Problems are going to happen. But what this is saying when he says Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. He's saying that even though we're going to offend each other, we have to learn to figure out our problems. We have to learn how to handle our differences. And so how do we practically do this? Because it's easy to say, yeah, that's the goal. That's what we want to be as a community. We want to do these things. But how do we actually do it? And so what I want to do is actually give us a tool that we could do to actually do this. Here's a practical how-to of how we can do this. And it's something called contending. Now, we're used to conflict. Conflict is me versus you. Contending is me and you versus a shared issue. Now, to demonstrate this, I've asked Jaron. He's going to come up here, and he's going to help me out with this. And Jaron's got a really difficult task. He's going to read a line from a card when I give it to him. He doesn't get to see it just yet. It's So... Here's the setting. 
The setting is that church has just ended, ended, and Jaron walks up to me, and this is what he says. Hi, Brian. Your sermon today was terrible. <sighs> okay, now I have an option. I can go into conflict mode. Now, conflict has usually three things that we resolve it. Fight, flight, or freeze. So if I pick fight, I'd be like, well, Jaron, maybe if you weren't on Facebook the whole service, you would have got something out of it. Now, I've, I've attacked him back. I've let my emotions control that. And now instantly, we're in a state of deeper conflict. I've just, you know, poured a bit of gasoline on that. Or, you know, maybe let's, let's reset, and I'll go into a different response. So Jaron will read his line. Hi, Brian. Your sermon today was terrible. See, now I can go into flight mode and just say, uh, i got to go pick up Olivia. Bye. <laughs> you know, is that going to achieve anything? You know, the next time I see Jaron, are we going to, you know, do that awkward dance of where we just, you know, try to stay on opposite sides of the auditorium? You know, or there's option number three. Brian, your sermon today was terrible. And I can just freeze and I can just stare awkwardly at him. Now, this might go on for a while, <laughs> but I could just freeze, stare awkwardly at him, not resolve it. Okay, those are the conflict responses, and those are an emotional response we have. So now here's contending. Brian, your sermon was terrible. So in this moment, I'm feeling a little anxious, but I can choose to step outside that and say, okay, I think Jaron is actually telling me this because he wants to help me. Underneath the comment that is lacking tact or grace, he's trying to help me. And I could say, okay, what part of the service did I lose you? So what I've done with that question immediately is said, now we're standing as a team, and the issue is my bad preaching. And now he can help me tackle that. Thank you, Jaron. Hey, I got something for you because I made you stand up. There you go, buddy. Have a Starbucks on me. So, but here's the point. Did you notice when we go to contending, I'm still, you know, even though I handed him a line and I knew exactly what he was going to say because I scripted, I still felt a little bit of anxiousness the first time he said, hey, Brian, your sermon today was terrible. You know, it's even when it's scripted, it's natural to feel anxious. You know, it's the way our bodies just react to things. But if I can recognize that emotion, if I can recognize that he's actually trying to help me, now, later on, I might say, you know, five minutes after the sermon ends isn't the best time to tell me how awful it went. You know, maybe, you know, send an email or just send an email and then delete it. Um, at, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You, can, you guys can tell me things if it's in the way of saying, hey, let's work on this together. Because when we contend, we say, let's be a team against a shared issue. Because a conflict has a winner and a loser. In each of those fight, flight, or freeze, there's a winner and a loser in that situation. And to be honest, the loser is both of us because we've just destroyed our relationship. When we contend with something, we can walk side by side and deal with an issue together. Now, contending is tough. Contending takes a lot of what Paul talked about earlier. It takes a lot of humility. It takes a lot of gentleness. It takes looking for, do we care about each other? Do we want this to go well? It's tough. It's way harder to do than to fight. Because to be honest, some of us, we can get pretty darn good at fighting with each other. Contending is a skill that takes a lot to learn. But when we contend, the ultimate result 
is we both grow in our character together. Because the more we practice this, the more we look for what's the shared issue that we're wrestling with, the easier it is to recognize it the next time. The easier is it to see that we're actually trying to reach the same goal. And that's to be more like Christ. That's to grow in our faith. Those are the things we're trying to do together. And contending helps us get there. So the second question I want to ask that you can respond to on the forum is how can you remind yourself to contend with an issue instead of gearing up for conflict? How do we remind ourselves to contend with it instead of doing that suit up, I'm going to be ready to you know, try to take a strip off you back? Because it's tough to do, but it's worth it. Now there's one more passage of scripture that I want to take us to. There's lots more we could go to, but there's just one that I want to focus on. And this actually goes back to very early in Jesus' ministry. There's this time called the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus has his disciples with him and he, he goes to this, this mount that's really more of a hill. It's not really a mountain, but he was on this hill outside of Jerusalem and he starts teaching this long form kind of encapsulates everything he's going to teach and going to do. And he summarizes it all up. And he, in this teaching, he uses this common format of saying, you know, you have heard it said this way, but I'm going to say it this way. And so one of those teachings he comes to is found in Matthew 5. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, verse 23 to 24. Jesus says this to the crowds that are gathered around him. He says, so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person then come and offer your sacrifice to God. See, Judaism before Jesus was based on this sacrificial system that you actually would bring a sacrifice to the temple to atone for for our sins. And we know that that Jesus was actually about to do something just probably about a three-year span between the Sermon on the Mount and his death and resurrection. Jesus would become the ultimate sacrifice for us so that we don't actually need to bring a sacrifice to the temple anymore. Jesus is our sacrifice that has covered us and allows us to have that free and open connection with, G- with God through Jesus. But what Jesus is talking about here is he's saying if we're coming to when we gather together and we recognize that someone has something against us, we need to do something about that. We can't just let it go and let it sit there and eat at us because when we don't deal with issues. They just grow. They don't ever really disappear. They just grow. Reconciliation is probably one of the biggest themes throughout all of Scripture. And it's what God's trying to do on a large scale of reconcile His whole creation back to Himself. And so how we do reconciliation as a community is reflective of how God wants to reconcile the whole earth back to Himself. And reconciliation is how we maintain our community. It's how we show love to one another. And especially these two things, grace and mercy. See, grace is when we give someone something they don't deserve. We talk about God's grace. We didn't deserve salvation. We didn't deserve to be called His children. But He gives it to us anyways. And mercy is when we don't give someone something they do deserve. So mercy would be when we actually Don't punish someone for maybe something they said that offended us. That's mercy. And it's God's grace and mercy 
that was so evident through Jesus that draws us into a deeper relationship with him. And so when we talk about conflict and issues, when we contend, we're taking a big step towards showing grace and mercy. Because grace in that would be saying, giving someone something they don't deserve, well, grace would be forgiveness. Of saying, you know, even if they came at you with horrible tact and horrible manners, grace would be, I'm not going to attack you back. And mercy, or sorry, I got that backwards. Mercy would be withholding the punishment, withholding, you know, lashing back at them. And grace would be giving them forgiveness. We often would often say we don't deserve forgiveness, but God gives it to us freely. And because he gives it to us freely, we give it to each other freely. That's the heart of reconciliation. And if we want to keep in community, we actually have to take steps towards reconciliation and forgiveness. And so there's a third question that I'm going to put up of saying, what steps do you need to take toward forgiveness? As you're sitting here right now, and maybe you can think about it, maybe it's an example that comes up right away when we talk about this topic, but is there a relationship where there needs to be forgiveness? Is there a relationship where there needs to be some reconciliation? And, And I'm not asking you to put any personal details or anything in there or share that. You can speak in broad generalities, but what's a step that you need to take towards forgiveness? And so you can punch something into the form and it'll pop up on my screen here. And I'm, I'm just going to read a couple of the responses to some of the questions and I'll open it up for anyone to speak up and I'll, I'll repeat what you've said, so please just try to be concise. But for that first one, what are some ways you stay in contact with your community? A common theme here is small groups, the biggest, most consistent way I stay in touch with people. And one person said, you know, opening up our home to having people over. Planned gathering, it doesn't just happen. Sometimes you need to take the lead role in organizing this. Making a habit out of it. For the second one, how can you remind yourself to contend with an issue instead of gearing up for conflict? There's a response here that says, the first step is to change perception from the person being the opponent to the comment being the opponent. This helps refrain our initial response. And also part of it, you know, recognize that initial feeling of defensiveness. You know, we have to recognize in ourselves, like, I have a tendency, out of that fight, flight, or freeze, my tendency is always going to go to fight. I don't want that to be my response, but I know that that's my inclination. I'm Irish, you know, goes with the territory, I guess. But then I need to remember what this next comment says, where it says, don't take it personally. I may feel that that's an attack on me as a person, but it's not but it's easy to make it feel that way. For a third question here, what steps do you need to take towards forgiveness? And here's a, here's a, a big one. Remember that forgiveness is important for my health and to place the process in God's control. When we don't forgive people, it actually harms us probably more than someone else, than the person we're not forgiving. So, I want to just open this up. Maybe if, if you have some, some more thoughts, some, some more comments, please just try to be concise and I'll repeat it so everyone can hear. But let's look at that first question. What are some ways that you can stay in contact with your community, whatever your community might be? Any thoughts? There's something about sharing, you know, keeping contact through food. She just said, you know, 
cooking a meal for someone when they're sick or they just had a baby or a big life event, like that's a huge way of showing care. Is an awesome, is, and it's a practical one too. What else? Yeah. And so let me just summarize that quickly. Recognizing sometimes we have almost different types of community. There's like the social media community. And he said, you know, the, the curated perfect pictures that get posted on, you know, Instagram or Facebook isn't always the reality, but it's the people you're actually in contact with. You know, we have to understand what is our, our community that we're part of. How about this second question here? How can you remind yourself to contend with an issue instead of gearing up for conflict? <laughs> being right is probably not worth being lonely. That's a good way to sum it up. Yeah, yeah. take a second to breathe. Take a moment and just pause. And, and I, you know, for me, the question I ask is, what am I feeling right now? And actually mentally in my mind, list it. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling upset. I'm feeling frustrated. And then I can say, is that how I want to respond? And my answer to that, well, it better be no. I don't want to respond out of anxiousness, out of being upset. Yeah, that just take a moment and pause. What else? Yeah, yeah, this is, this is I mean, deeply convicting when we think about in terms of parenting. Sometimes dad needs the time out more than, than the kid does. That's a big one. How do we listen to hear what they're saying, not just listen to formulate our response? How about the last one? Now, this one might be, and again, you don't have to share anything personal, but what steps do you need to take towards forgiveness? Yeah. Am I okay that that person doesn't have to pay for what they did? That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. When we don't forgive, it harms us way more than it ever harms the other person. You know, I'll, I'll pick on Jaron for a moment. Maybe if that conversation really did happen, he may think he was doing a great thing to help me out. And we might actually, you know, shake hands, walk away. But if I'm harboring unforgiveness towards him, he may not even have a clue that I'm upset. And it doesn't affect him one bit. But meanwhile, it's eating at me. And so forgiveness is often more about ourselves than the other person. So one of the things that Jesus did with his disciples the, the night before Jesus would be arrested, before he was betrayed, put on trial, and crucified, he shared a meal with his disciples. And it was significant because it was the Passover meal. It was this meal that symbolized God's covenant and his relationship with the people. And Jesus changed it. Jesus did something different. And as the meal was coming to a close, he took a glass of wine and he said, this is, this is my blood poured out as a sacrifice for you. And he took bread and he broke it and said, this is my body that will be broken as a sacrifice for you. And we call this communion. And communion directly means actually come into union. It's this time where we recognize that as a church, as part of the body of Christ, we take the elements, and for us we use grape juice and bread, and the bread on the silver tray is gluten-free, we take communion to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made and how that gives us forgiveness and calls us into union, not just with God, but also with each other. And so I want to, in, in a moment, I'm going to invite you to come up and share in communion together. But as you do, I want to challenge you to think about that passage that Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. Now, we're coming to communion. It's not presenting a sacrifice at the altar. 
as you're sitting there, as you're coming up, if you think if there's a relationship that needs to be mended, if there's forgiveness that needs to be offered, make a plan to do that. Make a plan that I'm going to take the the difficult step and I'm going to try to reconcile this and step forward. I'm going to try and redeem and restore this relationship, whatever it might be. But just take a moment and think about that ourselves. And then as you come up, we just invite you to take the elements, the, the juice and the bread, and just step aside from the table to let someone else come up. And just take a moment and pray, thank God, reflect whatever it is you need. And take the elements, you know, either by yourself or with someone that you came here with, however you like. Because this is, this is a symbol of the deeper relationship that Christ calls all of us up to. So we practice an open table. Anyone is welcome to come and take the, take the communion elements and share in this together. And so we're just going to play a bit of music as this happens, and afterwards Drew's going to lead us in another song together. So as you feel ready, please come up and take communion. God's hope is to reconcile us into a relationship with him. And so I want to invite you to take that step of faith take that step and accept that God wants to reconcile us into a relationship with him. And so as you go from this place, if you want to donate to the Benevolent Fund, you can use the boxes at the back. And that's a fund we use to just help people, whatever the needs are. Just mark Benevolent on the offering envelope and use the donation boxes at the back. But as we go from this place this week, may God's spirit prompt you to contend rather than to fight. Would God's spirit lead you to reconcile the relationships that need to be reconciled. And may God's grace and mercy and peace be with you. Amen? Amen. Have a great week, folks. Next week, we're launching a new sermon series. And don't forget to RSVP for the Kids' Own Lunch if you want to come to be part of that next week. We hope this message helps you to take the next step in your faith journey. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us Sundays at 11 a.m. For more information about us, visit gvccbrandon.ca.